It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle One, the package is being delivered. Yes, friends, I'm recording this lovely pod from the comfort of my apartment because, well, the global pandemic. Here's the WHO earlier. We're deeply concerned both by the alarming levels of spread and severity and by the alarming levels of inaction. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Today on the show, we thought it would be important to discuss how coronavirus will affect surveillance. Yes, because like 9-11 and the quick enactment of the Patriot Act. Today, the president signed a big new anti-terrorism bill that would expand the government's ability to track down terrorists, but at some cost. Sometimes governments react to crises by increasing their big brother powers. So far, we're actually seeing evidence of it. Jason Kebler joins me now. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. Hi, Ben. Hello, Jason. How are you? How's your apartment? Uh, it's good. We're what? We're one weekend, uh, a little over a weekend to just like mostly staying at home. How you feeling about it? It's not my fave. I understand it's uh, what is necessary, but um, feeling a little bit cooped up, feeling a little bit uh, off and on waves of panic. My panic is more associated with like, oh, I just want to go and do things. Uh, I don't like feeling trapped. Um, So it's not therapy session, but it's like I do feel a bit trapped and it's like I just want to go outside, um, which I have been doing. I've been walking my dog, going for runs, et cetera, et cetera. How are you? uh, How are you coping over there? I'm just slowly becoming Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. June 29th. I gotta get in shape now. Too much sitting has ruined my body. Too much abuse has gone on for too long. From now on, it'll be 50 push-ups each morning. 50 pull-ups. There'll be no more pills. There'll be no more bad food. No more destroyers of my body. Oh, hell yeah. Just doing a lot of push-ups, a lot of chin-ups. I'm gonna come out of this Get that prison shredded. pod. I'm getting, the, I'm getting the prison pod. Yeah, that's what I'm... I'm I'm doing my own my own workout, and it's uh, frighteningly similar to uh, the guy who gets a mohawk and goes on a rampage. Yeah, I think um, what so this week's episode is going to be about coronavirus and how uh, our response to it uh, applies to cyber. I think it, it'd Indeed. be nice so, to have it'd be nice to have like an escape one where we talk about like something else. But I think that'd be there's nothing else to talk about. There's nothing else happening right now. Like everything is this. Exactly. Everything is this. And, you know, and, and rightfully so. This is a global pandemic, the likes of which, you know, very few people alive, I'm, I'm certain, have, have any experience and understanding of what it's like. So this is some pretty unprecedented territory, which also means that it's, it's a major event that if we look back at other major events recently that are so displacing. Hello, Mango. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> It's, uh, it's the, just, one of the hazards of, um, of recording at home is dog barking. Dog bark. But if you look back at like 9-11, for example, okay, obviously a very tragic, displacing event for everyone. And when it happened, the U.S. government did something quite quickly. They instituted 
something called the Patriot Act. There's a lot in this bill. Attorney General John Ashcroft absolutely loves it. He said, the hour this thing is signed, I'm going to instruct law enforcement how to use the, these new powers. Some of them are being able to trace uh, email or email messages from place to place, making it easier to surveil people for terrorist purposes. For, um, and it clearly, clearly created some unprecedented surveillance powers that the government had and, you know, has, has, has basically never given them up. Yeah. So, I mean, I, never, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. It's like it created the framework for all the NSA bulk surveillance that Edward Snowden talks about and, and so many other things. It changed America, American life in so many different ways, in ways that are we're just now starting to like realize, uh, you know, almost 20 years later. And we're just starting to roll back from like the the Senate last week was saying that they were thinking about not renewing the Patriot Act, which or parts of the Patriot Act, at least. And I mean, that would be that would be a huge thing. And now we have another crisis. So I guess we're going to talk about what what might happen now. Well, exactly. And especially when you look at just, you know, the lengths to which governments, if you look at the way that China just completely just <laughs> essentially just press, press pause on entire cities of millions of people. It's one part of China's massive surveillance strategy to tackle the spread of the coronavirus, which has reached just about every region in the country. The virus has infected more than 80,000 in China, resulting in the deaths of more than 2,000 people in the country, far surpassing the death toll from SARS. But more so, I mean, one story in particular, and we touched on in, in our in some reporting at Motherboard, was this idea that the, the Israeli government has this secret cellular data that they're now looking at that they've granted the shin bet access to which can track cell phone users and location data that allows them to see which coronavirus patients or had interacted with who in order to stop the virus which in principle is is you know it's it's anything anything to stop it anything to stop it but also that's a major privacy violation. Yeah, so we learned as uh, a result of this coronavirus pandemic that Israel and Israeli telecoms have been keeping this secret data on the whereabouts of all their customers. So they are, you know, in in the same way that U.S. Uh, telecom companies have been tracking customers and selling that data, and it's been filtering down to landlords and all these other people, bounty hunters, like we've reported uh, Israel has been doing the same, but now they say that they're going to use it to track people who have coronavirus and see who they were hanging out with, where they've been, and use it as a means to fight the disease, which on one hand, it's like cool technology, you know, it's like if we can stop the spread of this pandemic more quickly, that is good. But at the same time, we can't use this pandemic to throw everything we know about civil liberties out the window. And the fact that this data was being collected in secret uh, for years and now is suddenly being deployed is really alarming. And, uh, you know, people in the U.S. have been talking about possibly doing the same thing. So it's like, yes, the technology can be used to, you know, keep track of people. It can be used to develop new vaccines and new uh, medical interventions. It can be used to lock down cities better. Obviously, technology makes being quarantined easier because you can do things like this. Like, 
we're recording a podcast on Google Hangouts and we like a lot of students are learning on Zoom right now. But at the same time, it's like we can't just, you know, throw throw away all of our privacy and civil liberties and say that this is the new normal forever. Well, I guess it's the thing. It's like, how do we how do we balance that? And that's a real question we 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 want to we want people to be aware of. But, you know, at the same time, when this is this, you know, it hasn't hit as hard as it's hit in places like Italy or China yet. And, you know, I have family in Italy and I've, I've spoken to them over the past few weeks. And it's it's pretty frightening how apocalyptic it's felt for them. And I feel like if that happens here, which it hasn't yet, and I'm, I'm really hoping it doesn't, people will just do anything they can to make it stop, right? And I think it's the same if we look at the the fear surrounding 9-11. I mean, there had been this, this massive attack by these sort of these sort of unknown boogeyman terrorists and everyone's like, we'll do anything to stop them, anything. And it took like, you know, that took took on the the appearance of, you know, a 20 a year war. And then also just a, like a massive boom in the modern surveillance state. So I wonder. Yeah, I mean, it's NSO in the U.S. They're talking about Palantir doing stuff like, yeah, they're talking about. So these are the companies that, uh, you know, I guess cops have been excited about about them for a while but and, and and like that's the thing is you know when you think about this and you see that companies like nso you know the previous villain and uh, i've learned in, in in maybe the beginning of august that my phone was hacked so basically they were listening to every single conversation that we had nso group in today's world based on the evidence we have they are the worst of the worst because of its alleged involvement in tracking down jamal khashoggi for the Saudis who ended up dismembering him. I mean, you see how everyone's sort of <laughs> throwing the baby out with the bathwater to do anything they can to make this, this, this crisis go away. Just like we did after 9-11 when, you know, we were so, so, I mean, you and I were old enough to realize this, so afraid of the terrorist boogeyman, people would do anything to make them go away. Yeah, and I think in this case, it's like, this is a global pandemic, the likes of which no one alive has ever seen. And, uh, you know, the closest that anything comes to this is the Spanish flu from 1919, which is over 100 years ago. So anyone alive now who was alive then was an infant, you know, and this is really scary. It's like we shouldn't mince words is really scary. We should pull out all the stops like uh, I think that lockdowns make sense. I think that quarantines make sense. I think that. Uh, you know, we do have to prevent people from going out and pretending like nothing is wrong and spreading this virus, because uh, if they do, it's going to spread exponentially and it's going to last much longer and kill a lot more people. But at the same time, it's like. You can't turn all of the United States or all of the world into a surveillance state that has smart AI cameras looking at people. And if we do, if we do decide that that is what we need to to do because this is a once in a lifetime, once in a century sort of thing. When we're out of this on the other side, we need to roll society back. Like we can't just turn that into the new normal because in the aftermath of 9-11, the surveillance state became the new normal and that it was used to normalize things like terrorist watch lists and uh, you know, mass surveillance by the NSA and uh, police like 
the militarization of police where you have, you know, local police departments buying tanks and stuff like this. It's like, this is not the society that like a, a surveillance state is not a society that I want to be living in. And I think if we have to submit to a surveillance state during this crisis, then perhaps so be it. But on the other side, it's like Congress and politicians and local governments need to say this cannot be the new normal. Uh, we don't want cameras on every corner scanning our temperatures and you know, signaling to the police that we need to be isolated from society uh, during normal times, I guess. Joseph just put that story out where, you know, there's a surveillance video company that can claims to be able to spot people who have the fever through, through video surveillance alone. And things like that also, you know, I wonder is, is there some snake oil also going on with this? That's that's what I was going to say. It's like never let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, one, for implementing your new random technology and two, for selling it. Like I just got an email from a PR person titled Bidet Bonanza Toilet Paper Stats and Facts from American Standard. And it's like I'm getting hundreds and thousands of emails from companies that are some of them surveillance Others of them just being like, here's uh, here's some like VR porn that you can watch. Here's like telecommunications uh, software that your business can use. Here's cyber software that uh, will protect your company while you're working from home. It's like, this is a very convenient time to sell fear and to sell random ass products and hope that someone buys them. And we're definitely seeing that like, with the surveillance companies. Um, I, I have no idea whether these companies have actually developed software that can detect fevers remotely. Uh, I know that the technology does exist in China, but it's like, I don't know, the coronavirus happens and within one day you have you have this tech and you're deploying it all over the US that you hadn't talked about before. Like that, that's pretty surprising to me. So I think, yes, uh, we're also seeing like an, an uptick in scams uh, where um, like hackers or social engineers or just bad people are sending out phishing attempts to people saying like, oh, buy your mask here or like get your coronavirus test there. And like the link is actually malware. So it's definitely a time to uh, remain vigilant. And it's definitely a time where bad people are going to continue grifting. Fully agree. I fully agree. And also, I mean, the other thing we we have to take a look at is that, you know, just the basic, not even just the cyber aspect of all this, but we don't have enough ventilators in New York City. Yeah, I mean, there's not enough ventilators for the uh, expected demand of a pandemic. This is a respiratory illness. It's something that if you have an underlying disease or you get to an advanced stage of the disease, you are going to need uh, to be hospitalized and you're likely going to need breathing assistance on a ventilator. And so I just wrote an article about how, um, you know, this is a supply and demand problem. It's like, normally there's not a gigantic demand for ventilators. Like normally you don't have large swaths of the public come down with an illness all at the same time. So, um, what, what that means is we need to keep the ventilators that, are working, working, uh, and over the last five, 10 years, 
ventilator manufacturers like GE Healthcare, uh, Siemens, and Philips have been fighting rights to repair legislation that would make it easier for independent companies to repair their machines. So this is the same problem we've seen with John Deere tractors. It's the same problem we've seen with the iPhone. It's the same problem we've seen with just all sorts of Internet of Things devices where they use software locks uh, that prevent anyone who's unauthorized from repairing them or upgrading them or adding software to to these devices. Uh, They also prevent people from getting repair parts and prevent people from getting access to repair manuals. Um, There's actually this dude who's based in Tanzania who has been collecting repair manuals for ventilators and all sorts of other medical equipment and posting them on the internet. And he's gotten cease and desist letters from ventilator manufacturers. So, I mean, this is a huge problem. And you can say like, hey, I only want the manufacturer to repair a ventilator, but then you have you know every ventilator in the entire country in use at the same time. Like some of them are gonna break and they are certainly not like I can't imagine a world in which the manufacturer has enough people who are authorized to be able to hit that demand. So you're going to need to open up some of this information. And secondly, the uh, FDA did a study a couple years ago finding that third-party repair is just as safe as first-party repair in for medical devices. So, I mean, this is purely like a political and capitalistic play where these companies have tried to monopolize repair because it makes them more money. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I mean, that's the thing, too, that we're constantly facing with this this entire <laughs> this entire pandemic is that people are also trying to make money off of it. And it's just it's like, yeah. And it's like so, I mean, we're working from home. We're talking to a bunch of people who are not able to work from home. So Lauren Gurley, who is the best labor reporter out there, has been talking to Whole Foods employees Obviously, grocery stores are like apocalyptic right now with people hoarding toilet paper and all sorts of other stuff. Um, And, you know, they're being asked to pretend like it's business as usual, like they're being asked not to wear masks or gloves. Uh, If they get sick, they're being asked to take paid time off until, you know, very recently. Uh, The CEO suggested that uh, employees there could donate time off to uh, people who get sick, which is just ridiculous. And you're also seeing the same thing happen at places like GameStop, um, Best Buy, you know, store, big box stores that want to stay open and pretend like everything is normal, but everything is not normal right now. And you're, you're putting these people at risk. You're putting these employees who make, you know, minimum wage or just over minimum wage 
at risk. And a lot of these people are either uninsured or have very, uh, very few benefits. So we're really seeing on some level, like the collapse of the, not just the collapse of the economy, which we don't need to talk about too much, but just like the collapse of the idea that capitalism and private health insurance and the free market is going to save work during times. Yeah. Like it's going to work during times of crisis and that might be the case in like in wartime or something where people can still go to factories and can still work. But when everyone is asked to stay inside and stop making money, like you have all these restaurant workers and and bartenders and people who have their restaurants closed and like, are they going to be able to pay rent? Probably not. So what happens now? Well, that's the thing I keep thinking is like when we're, when this, when this is done, you know, we live in New York City. New York City is not going to look the same, you know, and that's that's what's so so absurd about this whole thing is that it really will revolutionize the way in which our society looks. And it could it, it's part of it's going to be surveillance. Part of it's going to be that a lot of your local bars might not be there and things as simple as that. And then also the thing that we, you know, we we haven't discussed at all because it's just so grim is that we're, we're going to lose people and the government needs to be much better at, at, at taking care of this crisis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're still early enough in this crisis that it's like a lot of the actual human cost of it is hypothetical. And, and in the future, I mean, we have a, you know, friend of friend of friend who has it or like a friend of a friend of a friend whose grandma died or whatever. And of course that that's terribly sad, but uh, you know, I've seen videos on Twitter where it's like, the Italian obituary pages and you sort of have the original, like someone was slipping through the newspaper and it was like the, the normal times where the obituaries take up like one page. And this was just like one local newspaper. And this guy was flipping through during the time of coronavirus and it was 10 pages of obituaries. And it's like, those are people. And, uh, I think it's, it's scary. It definitely is scary. And I'm not sure what's going to happen next. Um, so far we're managing, I hope that all of our listeners are managing too, but I guess like, you know, take it seriously, stay inside, um, take care of the people that you love and the people who you don't know. And, uh, I hope that this passes quickly, but I, I'd really just, I don't know. I don't know what comes next and I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't either. The one thing I do know is I can't return to my home and native land any longer. It is now officially a closed border. Borders closed. Yeah. Um, that seems like the right call as scary as it is. I mean, I don't, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like everyone has to stay where they are and not do anything till further notice. And if you happen yeah. to be, uh, in Canada and need to come to the U S or vice versa. It's like, I guess you're stuck there for, for now. Yep. Also, you know, let's just, let's end this on a positive note. I have officially become an adult, Jason. I've done it. Tell me more. I bought HBO. I got it. I'm watching HBO legally, legally, Jason. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I don't want to, obviously this has been a bleak episode, but it's like, there's a lot of really interesting things happening right now. Like a lot of, uh, a lot of bands I know are doing cool Twitch live streams, um, like virtual concerts. I've seen like Twitch is just like exploding with, uh, creativity right now. So there's a lot of cool shit you can see on there. 
It's like now is a great time to get into gaming. If you don't already, you should listen to Waypoint Radio. Um, listen to Waypoint, you, but I'm I ain't no gamer. yeah I ain't no gamer. Yeah, I mean, if you're not a gamer, you can still listen to Waypoint though. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's also just as fun yeah. to listen to. Yeah, they're just awesome. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're no gamer, but uh, you're getting a prison bod, so that's a that's a positive thing. It is a positive thing. And on that, yeah, we'll. We'll see you next week, I hope. Yeah. No, we will. We'll see you next week. You'll hear from us next week. This week's episode was recorded by me, uh, produced by me, and hosted by me, Ben Maku, and my boy Cato Contreras edited it. You will be hearing from us next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.